0: Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed Podcast. I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability, and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey. The aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, I'm talking to Chris Palmer, someone I've known for many years and who is an enthusiastic supporter of Revolve, as well as a valued member of one of our peer groups. Chris is Managing Director at AnyTech Solutions, an IT company that since its inception in 2003 has won awards for its excellent customer service. Chris also recently started Ping Pong Social, which manages people's social media presence and persona. Talking of presence and persona, Chris has both of these in abundance. He's a big guy, but somewhat of a gentle giant, with a passion for cooking and Formula One. He is also a supporter of several charitable organisations, most notably as a member of the Board of Trustees for Lewis Manning Hospice Care. He combines this with regular talks at schools and is part of establishing learning programmes for young people interested in business. Both professionally and personally Chris has had a challenging and interesting journey to get to where he is today and it is this journey as you'll hear that's influenced his desire and conviction that a business owner has responsibilities to their communities. It's this subject as well as many others that Chris and I discussed today including the point at which he left his comfortable job in pursuit of the
1: entrepreneurial life. I had a, a little miniature bottle of red wine on the train on the way back, um, and it was just a wonderful feeling. A wonderful feeling of being free.
0: The philosophy that guides his attitude towards doing good
1: for others. From a very young age, I think I was always conscious that as a person of color, I want to show as many people, and children, young, old, what have you, that it doesn't matter
0: and the attitude that gives him the energy to keep exploring new possibilities
1: coasting isn't for me and if i feel i've got more bandwidth and there's something i want to explore um, i will
0: if you want to learn more about evolve then please do go to evolvemembers.com but for now let's get on with the show welcome chris to the evolve to succeed podcast
1: Thank you very much, Warren.
0: It's great to have you as a guest on this week's episode, and there's lots that I want to cover with you, lots to uh, talk about, some very specific business subjects. But first off, I suppose I need to ask the question, how did somebody from a creative background who studied art and design uh, end up in IT?
1: Well, I would say that the my first graphic design job was straight out of college, and I took that job purely because it was the only job I was offered. Um, Not many people straight out of college got snapped up, and I thought it was uh, a great opportunity. And also, one of the reasons for jumping at that was, um, being a Birmingham boy, I finished my studies in Croydon. And for quite a few reasons, I didn't want to go back home. So for me, the the plan was always to use education to get out of home. Okay. Um, And uh, you look shocked now. Yeah. So my mechanism for getting out of home was always going to be education. Um, But obviously something that I loved. Yeah. And um, I loved drawing. I loved graphics. I loved art. Still do. Um, So when the opportunity came up to get a job straight out of college... Um, I grabbed it with both hands. I didn't care. If it was going to pay my rent, and meant I could stay in the the room that I was in, in Croydon. That was a great first step, as far as I was concerned. So, grabbed that job. I very, very quickly realised that I was not going to be the best graphic designer in the world. Um, And that realisation, although um, uh, hard at the time, it meant that I very much, living in London, I very much focused on the carrot, the bigger the carrot, that's what I followed.
0: Okay, but still within... But still design. within the
1: arts, still yeah. within the creative industry. Um, so as a, as a young lad leaving school, art and computers was always my, my thing. Um, so my first role as a graphic designer was literally on a drawing board, doing adverts and, you know, very basic graphic design, uh, which was fun. Great team of people, but wasn't really going to go anywhere. Um, and I then started wondering whether there was a way for me to combine my creative slant with computers um, I tried uh, my very best to get into the moving picture company because I wanted to get into film okay. and film editing but digitally because that was one of the things that I uh, got a distinction in, in my in my in my course and um, that didn't come off so after my first role as a graphic designer I then started looking for jobs within the centre of London that combined creativity with computing. Okay. So I ended up moving into presentation, digital presentations.
0: And when was this then? What sort of year was this all? I'm really bad at years. Yeah, was this really, the I'm 90s then, early 90s? Yeah, yeah, it would have been. Oh, okay.
1: So put it this way, the first Mac that I ever touched at college scared me. Yeah. I couldn't get my head around it at all and recoiled. Um, so I then moved into, into a role um, that, believe it or not... It was paying me £12,000, which for me, in my second role out of college, a year out of college, was an enormous amount of money. Yeah. Um, so I grabbed that with both hands. I started doing digital presentations. Um, for one reason or another, that particular business owner, the, their wife had an issue, had an accident with, with knocking someone over, so they then left um, London and went up north and because we got on so well, they gave me the opportunity to run the business from the centre of London on my own. Wow. It's too much. It was yeah, too much. Too
0: much responsibility. Absolutely, at such a young age. you
1: know, doing all of that, trying to to run the sales, trying to be the creative, trying to produce the stuff, all on my own. It um, was just too much. Yeah. It, it just was never going to happen. But they gave me the opportunity, so I got made redundant from that role. Started uh, contracting at a very young age, contracting in London, still within the creative presentation field. Yeah. Um, but you know, moved from business to business as a as a freelance designer. One thing led to another, and I soon realised that actually, maybe being on the creative side isn't where the money is. Uh, It may well be on the back-end services. So converting Mm. from the digital information into slides, CDs, transparencies, all the rest of it. And so I then moved into the bureau industry. And I moved to a company that was quite big in EC1, and they did everything from 35 millimeter slides, everything in between, right the way through to high level photography. Um, But they weren't uh, skilled with Macs at all. It was all Windows based in those days. So you were brought in to do the tech part. Absolutely. So they were, at that time, it was Windows 95, and they just did no Mac at all. So I came in and brought Macs into the business, and I I remember the first Mac that they leased for me cost 20,000 pounds. Oh my God. Yeah, way back then. Um, Now the equivalent would be probably 60 grand, something like that. But it it was amazing, and I headed up the Mac side of the business for them, and built that up. Um, I then realized, okay, I'm now running a department, I've now got people working with me, maybe management is, studio management is where I should be. So again, but I got...
0: still no thought of starting your own business with that... Not at that experience point. ...experience that may no. scarred, do you think?
1: I, there was a small blip of experimenting with starting my own business when I got made redundant. And I thought, well, maybe I can still service some of those yeah. customers in London. Um, on my own, yeah. and that would be you know a de- decent turn, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. And um, so it, back into the employee absolutely, world, of absolutely, absolutely, definitely. Yeah. So then I swiftly moved into a uh, studio management role because I felt yet again I felt well maybe the money isn't in bureau, maybe the money is being in a top end London mm-hmm. advertising agency, yeah. um, and possibly in studio or studio management. So. I did a f- quite a few years in agencies as a studio manager, then moved into production management. So the teams got bigger and bigger. Yeah. My last role in London, I combined all of my skills that, I, that I'd that i learned to date. So I was operations director, but that encompassed um, the production side, encompassed Some of the creative side encompassed logistics, it encompassed internal IT um, and sales support as well from a production point of view. So that really allowed me to cut my teeth on a lot of areas that then made me feel quite confident that actually running my own business is where I need to be. Okay. Um, and do you think ultimately
0: you're always destined to run your own business with that independent, clearly some independent thought early on to say I'm not gonna move back home, I'm gonna I'm going to, you know, pursue my life in London. Do you think that that independence was always in you to start your own business? Or I do you think f- it was experience
1: that led there? I think it was experience. Okay. <clears throat> it was experience and being in a lot of businesses and moving around a lot in London, you get to see a lot of different businesses mm. and how they're run. Um, you know, I, I glossed over a huge chunk in the middle where I worked for De Winter's PLC, um, and that was a West End theatre yeah. design company, um, employing, you know, a hundred yeah. people. Um, and I saw how it did things well, and I saw how it did things yeah. not and so I, I well. I always
0: say, you know, you know, I run well, businesses now and, and invest in things and do different things, but. I had that kind of employed experience and then a bit of corporate experience and I that turned me into the person that has enabled me to do what I've done independently and I couldn't have done and achieved the things I'd done if I hadn't had some of those Absolutely.
1: experiences. Absolutely, no, 100%. Um, I mean we we probably take it for granted but we absorb everything that comes at us, be it positive or negative, mm. and it shapes us. Um, and without a doubt, all of the experience that I, that I gained in London, I mean, I'm talking about probably eight roles, um, you know, and each time a step up um, in, in, in experience and, mm. you know, all the trinkets that come with that. Um, so I felt at that point that I could do it better basically. Um, And at that point, I was also commuting to London.
0: Okay, so you'd moved out of London at that point, down to the south coast? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so what brought you to the south coast then?
1: We had our first child in London. Right. um, And the routine of just daily taking that baby to the childminder leaving the car in an NCP, the other one going from Congarden, picking up the car, right. going to pick up the baby, go home, then me go home, it was, and we did that daily, and eventually it was, an
0: like, yeah, sort of thing. yeah,
1: so the decision was, let's look south, let's, let's, let's see, you know, at the time Vivian's uh, parents lived on the Isle of Wight, Yeah. so I liked being by the sea, I liked the Isle of Wight. I yeah. wanted to be closer. It made sense. So that's why we moved okay. down,
0: basically. So you were, though, commuting at that point Absolutely. in that final role in London. Yeah. Right.
1: So doing you know nearly six hours a day commute yeah. and my young child growing up and me not seeing yeah. him um, wasn't ideal. Um, so I would say for a couple of years, we started as an experiment a business to see if there was a market there to test the waters. Yeah, okay. Um, and we had um, representatives in the end. We had representatives on the Isle of Wight, Southampton, uh, and an engineer covering Poole and Bournemouth. Um, and that allowed me over a couple of years to test the water. And that was in the IT sphere. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Heavily so we'll in the uh, B2C market
0: so is that something you'd recommend to people because you had that kind of employed role and as some people just describe it don't there's this side hustle or start or would you now go sort of all in balls in from the start i would how would what have you learned from that experience i would
1: say the phrase side hustle i get it and and you and i privately might say that yeah. but i think what the way i would uh term it is research yeah okay so whatever research you can do that gives you the exacting facts and figures that you can measure um, and therefore manage, I would advise that is an absolute must. I would never say to anyone, jack in your full-time job on a hunch and just do it. No, no, absolutely not. Do the research and if it means a simulation or if it means starting a business, whatever you need to do, then absolutely do it. Um, Great perspective there, I like that. we tested the waters for a good couple of years to the point where the business was turning over enough that if I did stop working in London, we could afford to live. Yeah. Um. So I took the uh, the big jump and I okay. jacked in a very comfortable job, which at that at the time I was getting quite bored. Yeah. Um. You know, it was it it wasn't pushing me. It wasn't stretching me. Um. And I I it, it wasn't as enjoyable as I okay you know, hoped so it for me it was it was a very easy decision to make but it and it also made me focus on making my research work and really pushing that to understand what was out there and and what the market wanted. Um, So I I remember to this day, and I'll never forget it, the the last train journey, walking down Regent Street, going down the tube for the last time. I mean, people must have thought I was mad because I'm sure I was grinning away to myself. (laughs) I mean, I I was so happy and I had a little miniature bottle of red wine on the train on the way back. Um, And it was just a wonderful feeling. A wonderful feeling of being free. Freedom. Definitely freedom. Um, And knowing that come Monday, I was doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. I mean, thinking about it now, it's absolutely balmy. Because, (laughs) you know, I I literally, I halved my salary overnight. Um, And I just thought, But The reality of it was...
0: And I agree with you. I get that whole research point. But there is a point where you've got to take the leap of faith and you've got to have the confidence in yourself and you've got to take that risk. And there's going to be usually be some sacrifice at that point to commit to a new business, isn't there?
1: There is. There is. Um, But I also, you know, I mean, on one level, you could say, yeah, you know, as long as you do your research and you go for it and all the rest of it, However, at that time, it was very much a B two C business, um, and, and and let's let's face reality, um, there aren't that many minorities down here, right? And so there was also that that underlying feeling of how will I be received?
0: Okay. How right.
1: will I? Be, yeah, absolutely, wow. absolutely, because initially when the business first started it was B2C. So, so it was computers, new at people's computers, homes fixing all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, it's B2C. break-fix. Right. Um, and a lot of it would have been going into people's homes. Right. Um, and you would, from now and then, you'd see the surprise, you know, because people right. wasn't expecting someone of colour to turn right. up. Okay. Um, and, 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 you know, it never it never became an issue, but it was certainly something that I was unsure how I would be received. Okay, that um, perception piece. Yeah, self-perception absolutely. Self-perception maybe or, Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, you know, as a minority in business, there is always that additional layer um, when you're working in a, in, a, in a sector or an environment where you could be perceived to be the minority.
0: Do you still feel that to this day or less so?
1: Um, far less so. Okay. I think... I think when you're starting a business out afresh, although you may have confidence in what you can deliver, you are still delivering ultimately to people. Yeah. And as confident as you, as you feel or, uh, or don't have a chip on your shoulder, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, there is still that reality check at the end of the day, absolutely. We, yeah. you know, um, You know, if I was short, I might have yeah. a thing about being short. Um, that, oh, you're not sure I'm, no I know I know. I, I didn't look at you and I said <laughs> yeah. that you're cute <laughs> well, thank you um, so you know there was that underlying you know can I make this a success will, will it be not a success for something that's beyond my yeah. control um, being shall we say slightly a control freak yeah. anything that potentially is out of your control if you're not careful you can mentally make mm. that a problem that doesn't exist yeah so i was very keen to to just make sure that that didn't ever become something i would cultivate in in myself how did
0: you ensure that didn't happen is that just good self-talk you know
1: um just by being absolutely amazing with everyone that i came into contact with absolutely right right attitude absolutely service yeah over deliver so all of that just becomes the forefront yeah um, and th- and th- and regardless of what I then thought afterwards, as long as I achieved that deliverable, um, it was proven that clients just wanted us back again and again okay. and again. And then they started taking us into their businesses.
0: Uh, okay, so that was the transition. Did you think that transition would happen or do you think you're always going to be a I, to see?
1: When we first started the business 17 years ago, we started the business to help people learn how to use computers. Yeah. It wasn't even break-fix. It was just teaching people how to compute. We thought very small at that time. um, And we didn't really have a clue what was out there and where it would take us. So the business itself, over 17 years, has has metamorphosized quite dramatically and has changed. And and proudly, I'm proud to say, we've been very agile to move with the market and move with what clients want from us
0: so that's that's quite an interesting question is Do you think it's been a case of seeing opportunity and seizing opportunity or following a strategic plan
1: bit of both okay bit of both right. if If you're running a business and you start to see a trend or you start to be asked to do something that clearly has uh, better revenue return, but it may not be an area of specialism or an area that you thought you would get into to me, you need to be agile enough in yeah. your business to capitalise on that. Um, and if it ends up changing slightly a sector within the business, there's no harm done. Yeah. Uh, you have to you have to deliver what the market wants. Yeah. Forget your ego. Forget what you thought the business was going to yeah. be at the beginning. If everyone wants it to be blue, yeah. but your favourite colour is red, yeah. you need to adapt and start giving them blue. Yeah. Because if you give them the blue, they'll love you more and they'll just want more blue.
0: But generally, you've got to have some sort of plan and some direction of travel. Definitely,
1: definitely. Um, and, and, you know, very early it became very obvious that teaching people how to use computers wasn't going to be a long-term strategy. No. Um, or doing it personally wasn't going to be a healthy revenue stream. Obviously, now we'd do things very differently yeah. if that's what we wanted to do. We'd be more online, et cetera, et cetera, and money in the sleep. Yeah. But that was very much a person-to-person, very personal um, deliverable. But what that then meant was you tended to come in contact with people that, um, shall we say, were comfortable. Mm. Um, for them, it was more, I'm intrigued, I'm, I'm interested, and I'm happy to spend on one-to-one to do that. But what that then meant was you also... Without probably realising it, you developed a network of um, upwardly mobile people, Mm. um, which therefore then became people that you could market other services to that weren't just training. So our database today, 17 years later, still has many people that used us 17 years ago. But now they buy their computers from us, they buy their Macs from us, they... Anything to do with their computing or technology, televisions, anything, they come to us first.
0: Right. Be that home or
1: Absolutely. Business. Absolutely. And so the transition, we started being taken into businesses. We needed to learn. We needed to upskill, um, which, again, only helps the business by upskilling. Um, and uh, suddenly, you know, there's a huge split in B2C and B2B. Yeah. Um and it enabled us to learn how to deal with the B two B market and what okay. what it wanted, because the B two B and B two C market are very very different, and mm-hmm. they want very very different things, and they they expect different levels of service. Um, and we we've perfected it now, and we enjoy both.
0: Mm. So, what have been some of the lessons along the way, though? When you reflect, you know what are some of the challenges you've overcome in that seventeen years. I think. You where you
1: are? I, th- I think. One of the biggest challenges, which we still sometimes face, I I imagine, is understanding your value Mm. in the market. And I think that's an incredibly difficult thing to do Mm. for any business, is understanding your value in the market. Um, And I I would say over the years, we've been guilty of perhaps over-delivering. And when I use the phrase over-delivering, I mean, based on the value. Yeah, um, and in one respect, that that's put us in great stead but because that's part of a
0: positioning exercise. Absolutely, that like do. some people would say positioning is exactly you know, give more value.
1: Exactly, um, and what it enabled us to do is is have a, a very high level of customer service yeah. um, without necessarily knowing that's what we were doing. Um, so the byproduct of that is that we've got extremely high customer service, and we value people who value our service
0: and therefore you get longevity of client exactly
1: exactly um so it has put us in good stead but i would say that's the biggest lesson is is finding a mechanism that will allow you to measure where you sit in the marketplace where's your positioning but in order to do that you've got to know your marketplace yeah and the difficulty for us is we're in different markets, yeah. Um, so that's always been a challenge. I, th- I think, uh, you know, would I do anything differently? No. Um, I would probably earlier, um, shall we say, get get uh, shall we say more professionals involved, like okay. inspire, yeah, um, because I think that was very much a reality check for us as well. Yeah, realizing where we really sat in the market. Um, and and that's only been for the betterment of the business really having that 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 clarity
0: yeah good and you're very you know moving on to some wider subjects i think one of the things that i admire about you and your approach to business is you have a real strong sense of responsibility for the community and for mm-hmm. others um you know is that do you think that's a business ethos you have or do you think it's a personal ethos
1: no it's a personal ethos um you know, what I always say to people is, I didn't get to where I've got, and by no means the journey isn't over. But I didn't get to where I've got to on my own.
0: No.
1: You know, I have I have professionals all around me. I have my own team. I have someone that I speak to on a mental mm. side as well to keep me in check with my well being. Um, you know, I have lots of people around me that help. You know, help me make hopefully the right decisions. Um, but from a very young age, I always, um, I think I was always conscious that as a person of colour, I want to show as many people and children, young, old, what have you, that it doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter. Um, and not to use um, past experience or upbringing or background as an excuse um, some people might think, well, you know, you, 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 maybe you're doing it because you want to show it can be done. Well, no, I actually want to show that you don't make excuses for not achieving what you want to achieve. I won't use the word success because success is very ambiguous and means different things to different people. Um, this isn't about being a success, this is about just showing as many people as possible that anyone can achieve anything. Mm-hmm. Regardless of your background, regardless of your creed, regardless of your religion, um, don't use them as excuses. So I've I've been very keen to show the young coming through that they can achieve. Yeah. Um, you know, if I go and speak to a school full of you know school full of children, I'm not just talking to them and showing them that I'm a local businessman and I do this, that, and the other. First and foremost, what I want them to see is that there's a businessman, he's black, and he's come to talk to us. He's come to help us. So if I can influence or change any preconception, that's what I want to try and do. So
0: it's influencing and supporting the next generation. Absolutely absolutely kind
1: absolutely of so you know maybe one day if they hear someone saying something they go well actually no that's wrong because i remember some guy came to our school and yeah. he was black and he helped me and did whatever it's all about trying to break down any systemic preconceptions um about anyone
0: so in terms of the next generation and i know you Put lots of support out there and you've bought some books recently yep. to provide to the schools on business and yeah stories and you've done lots of things those talks but do you have fears for the next generation and what they're going to face if they do want to start a business or the challenges that may face them
1: i have it, it, i would say it, it's it's a double-edged sword at the moment i have Fears over the next gen's mental health and well-being. Mm. But very much, I would say, my fears for that are short-term. I think it's been... Um, the spotlight's been put on it during the pandemic, obviously, because yeah. all of the, the disruption that they've had. Um, and, you know, my youngest has, has experienced it. You know, he's going through a tough time at the moment. But having said all of that, I think with technology and the awareness, especially in our community now, the awareness, I think children have a fantastic opportunity to start digital enterprises locally and get support. Okay. I I would happily support any young person that came to me and said, I've got an idea. What do you think? I want to kick this off. How can you help me? I would absolutely, and I mean this, I would absolutely support... Any young person that comes with energy, passion, and a work-hard ethic. Mm. That's all I need, and I will support them. And I think I'm not alone. No. I think, I think the, the just, just the sheer awareness of what technology can do and how small the world is now. Technology has shrunk the planet. You can reach out and collaborate with anyone around the world that's interested in what you want to do. You could never do that in my day. No. You had to do things your own. (laughs) Snail mail, that's the way you had to crawl. very analytical,
0: wasn't it? Absolutely.
1: And, and, you know, took time and took far more investment than it needs now. Now, if someone's got a great idea, a couple of weeks, you can have that up and running.
0: But do you think that also leads to this kind of everybody can be in o- this perception that everybody can be an overnight success and that's not necessarily a healthy
1: attitude Well, because we all
0: know to to get a business truly successful it takes perseverance guts and determination doesn't it yeah
1: the 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 overnight success thing 100% i agree with you and and social media although powerful is equally responsible for that um and you know someone someone once told me perception is reality and they were absolutely right But it's down to people like us to remind and educate and mentor to make sure that as many young people as possible realise that that isn't the case. Mm. Um, There are some industries where you can have incredible financial success very quickly, if that's what we're talking about, but is that really success? Mm. That's not real success. It's funny, today I sat in a group and we, we, that we get together now and then, and we had breakfast, and we were talking about that very thing. Um, and we've all realised, now we're getting close to 50s, I'm 52 now, that success isn't about the flash well, I
0: usually end the podcast, but we're going to do it, listeners, We're going to do it mid-podcast because we're talking about success. So what is your definition of success, Chris?
1: I decided um, today, um, it's been on my mind for a while, my success is I want my sons especially to be proud of their dad. Okay. That's what I've realised.
0: And what do you think it's going to take for them to be proud of their dad?
1: I think if I can help and influence and make positive change on people's lives, I think that will... I'll have achieved.
0: Okay, that's quite fundamental indeed.
1: It is, but I think what better legacy yeah. to leave behind?
0: And 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 in tech is the vehicle to enable you to do that because it provides you with the security to give you the confidence to be able to influence in other ways.
1: I think it's a it's a base, but now now that I'm more in tune with. How I'm perceived and how I want to be perceived and who I want to be surrounded by. Um, I think I'm at the point where where I'm I'm far more able to influence without necessarily any other vehicle. Yeah. Um, I have a network of people around me that that will support me in various areas if if it touches their nerve, um, and I think that's important. You can't. Although I say you know I want my sons to be proud of me. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it all on my own. You know, I'm going to use all of my contacts and I'm going to use whatever I need to use for the betterment of people who stand no chance, potentially. Um, And that's what it's about. It's about using your network. Fantastic. Fantastic. What a great
0: response there. Um, but But one of the things I want to talk to you about, I suppose, is your energy. So anybody that's met you, you know, will say you've got this great energy, this kind of you know, always seem determined, always seem motivated, always seem upbeat. How do you keep that up? Is there days when you feel like you're putting a show on, Chris?
1: No, no, because I genuinely love the place I found myself now. Um, I didn't, you know, we touched on it a little bit earlier. I didn't, I didn't enjoy my childhood if i 'm yeah. honest it was it was difficult um, and my relationship with my father and my mother wasn 't great, mm. although I was loved, mm. there were still lots of things that weren 't right um, and it 's some of those things you only realize when you 're older yourself and you 've got children yeah. um, and you reflect back and think you know why did that happen, why did this happen? why are we so dysfunctional. Some of it is um, West Indian traits. You yeah. know, I'm sure you, you, you've heard of stories of you know fathers having lots of children everywhere. you know my mother and father weren't married. Um, I very rarely saw my father yeah. um, and when I did, I didn't really want to. Um, so, you know, I had a lot of issues as a young child trying to find myself. Yeah, find your place. Um, absolutely. Your identity. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and and almost to the point of having to try and decode my father's influence because there was nothing good that came from him mm. for me. Right. So I, wow. So my my mentors were my uncle and my cousin. Um, uh, both both. Uh, one was an electronics engineer and one was an electrical engineer and those were my go to's um, so I didn't have a father mentor mm. um, so I think a lot of my youth was spent being quite closed in yeah. the home and so my only way of escape was getting out of the home. Yeah. And so every day, every 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 day I'm out, every day I'm meeting someone, it's a happy great day.
0: Okay. And you've taken that with you
1: 100%.
0: All the way through your life.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: 100%. And as we kind of talk about new opportunities you've recently launched Ping Pong Social. So yep. tell our listeners about that and why start another venture?
1: Well, Again, why start another venture? I just have a feeling of energy, um, and I don't know whether I, whether I'm a, uh, a, a masochist, but I, I I don't want to ever feel as I'm coasting. I've got an issue with coasting. Okay. Um, and again, that's. Do
0: you think p- that comes back to your childhood again? Probably and to be driven and, and yeah, trying this trying to yeah, escape from yeah. Something?
1: Absolutely. Um and you know, I've tried to analyse it, but I, I would say definitely. Um so coasting isn't for me. And if I feel I've got more bandwidth and there's something I want to explore, um I will. Yeah. Um and I think the ping pong social is a reaction to the current marketplace. I remember when um websites first came out, um, I remember my first web browser, Alta Vista. Um, and using a modem to connect to the internet. We're not really understanding it. And then everyone was talking about, uh, at that time everyone was talking about DTP and you needed to be in desktop publishing and you needed this and that. Right. Then it came websites and websites were the big thing. If you didn't have a website, you were falling behind the curve. I think social media now is the equivalent of websites then. Okay. Um, I think if you're a business, owner-managed business, um, and you're not using social media to create, your brand awareness—not necessarily to sell products, but just to create an awareness, create that funnel um, of of attraction in the market—then you're missing a great, great possibility. Right. And I'm I'm very aware that that owner biz, owner managed businesses they don't necessarily have that technology bias they don't have that marketing it's bias smaller end yeah marketing absolutely they yet, absolutely they? they probably don't even have a marketing person or a marketing outsource so the last thing they're going to be thinking of is promoting their business yeah. on linkedin on facebook for business on instagram on pinterest if they're if they're if they if they make products so i became very very aware that there's a market there for outsourcing social media management Um, not fully-fledged marketing agency, but specifically social media. So telling stories, showing off your products, showing off your team, Mm. showing off what you do and reaching out to the sectors that you want to have touch points with in a view that they then become aware of you in a a way that they will then want to contact you and buy from you ultimately. Um, But if you're not out there and you're not being seen and your competition are you certainly need to get that sorted right now. So Ping Pong Social is literally filling in that market. Very simple packages, easy to buy, and get up and running quickly on social media and start communicating with the audience. Fantastic. That simple.
0: Fantastic. I can see the passion.
1: Absolutely. I can
0: hear the passion in your voice, what it does and, and what it will deliver for us. I'm excited
1: to, to help. Ultimately, I'm excited to help.
0: Yeah, it's that extension again.
1: Absolutely. It's all about helping.
0: And something I know that, you know, You're very, you know, yourself, you're on social media, you have that presence, you share honestly how you're feeling, but you're, you quite often talk about self development as well, Mm. personal development. Mm. Why is that so important to you?
1: I think over the last couple of years, especially being involved with um, Evolve, um, the lessons learned Honestly, for me personally, and 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 the people in the group, in in in, in with my peers, um, the change on me personally, and thus on the business and my team, and how I manage the team, how we work together, how we strategize together, how we build together. Um, I don't believe you can do that on your own, and evolve is like an extension of your boardroom um, but at a level that you're completely open not a boardroom where there's cloak and daggers happening in the background you know if, if, if people think you're making a mistake they will tell you and even if you disagree you'll go away and you'll think about it and you'll plan and you'll you'll approach it in a way that mitigates risk mm. to a degree um, but certainly self-development investing in yourself is is a phrase I heard someone use many years ago Um, and certainly if you're not investing in yourself and you're you're not developing yourself, I don't believe you can honestly meet your potential. You can't unlock that massive potential that we all have. Everyone has that massive potential, and I don't believe you can unlock that potential just by reading lots of books. You have to be sharing. You have to be bouncing off people that are experiencing different issues, experiencing different highs, different lows, um, in order for you to then learn from that. And honestly, over the last couple of years, I think I've managed to unlock, along with Evolve, along with with my personal uh, mental, on a mental, social, well-being side, the two combined, I've unlocked a passion for life, a passion for building teams, a passion for wanting to develop others, a passion for wanting to help more and more and more um, that I couldn't have done on my own. Yeah,
0: great. And if you reflect on in life or in business, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: I remember one of my sessions um, and... um, I'm I'm, I'm happy to mention her name, Louise Southam. She's a local lady, and she specialises in well-being, development, self, um, you know, being aware of oneself. And she's got her own incredible story um, that she shares. But um, one of the most powerful things she said to me in one of my last sessions was that things that happened to us in our past, in our history regardless of the outcome, regardless of how they make us feel, it's not our fault.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that was just when you reflect on that.
1: That's That was the big win for me. Um, and I had no idea that I was even carrying around any guilt or fault. No. But just... Unlocking that part of myself and allowing myself to be comfortable in the decisions I made um, and not blaming myself was extremely powerful. Right. Extremely powerful. Um, and I would say it, 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 it certainly changed my life. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it definitely changed my life. Um, I mean, I don't know how deep you want to go, Warren. You know, I don't know how much you can handle. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I don't know where my father is buried. Right. He's buried in Jamaica, having left the UK, built a house with my mother. I don't know where he's buried. I don't know where my mother's buried. Right. You uh-huh. know, and that's... When I think about that, I could easily turn that inward on myself Mm. but I didn't make those decisions no it's not my fault Fault. yeah
0: and is that how you built resilience because you've talked about your background you've talked about the upbringing you've talked about being a person of color and some of the challenges Um, you've talked about the challenge of you know building a business having opportunities at a young age and therefore you've built this resilience around you do you think Fundamentally, that's how you've done it.
1: Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. That that you. It's not toughness. There's a degree of self-preservation, mm. um, which equally has its own downsides as well. Yeah. Um, but it's about striking that balance between allowing outside influences to dictate your future, and you and blaming those outside influences. For your decision making. Ultimately, if you take full responsibility for what you do mm-hmm. and the decisions you make, there's you're fully culpable. Yeah. And as long as you're comfortable with that, you're good to go. Yeah. Just take responsibility.
0: Easier said than done.
1: It is, but it's hard work. Yeah. And you can't always do it on your own.
0: No. So. Reflecting on your own family and personal life, how do you think being entrepreneurial, running your own business for the last 17 years has affected you, your personal life?
1: Now, that's an interesting one because I was thinking about that recently, more recently, especially with with my youngest. I think... I think it can actually put pressure Mm. on on a young person living with you that perhaps isn't feeling great about themselves, hasn't found their niche, hasn't found their direction yet. So in one respect, depending on the stage that they're at, it could be a fantastic thing to be around. Um, I always thought by having hard working parents and seeing your parents go out and work hard every day was enough. Yeah. But equally, that can be quite tough, I think, for Set's a young a
0: level of expectation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we just have to keep that in check. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily go home talking about. Wow, that was fantastic! We smashed it. We just won a great deal. Da 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 da. I don't do that because I'm very aware that that doesn't necessarily relate in the home. Yes, we at work, great, you know, we'll (laughs) ring a bell and we'll jump up and down, pretend we're Wolf of Wall Street. Um, But certainly in the home, certainly more recently, it's far more low key. Yeah. Um, And it's all about just trying to create that safe, warm welcoming environment that allows someone to not necessarily achieve and be successful and be this that and the other just just be yeah
0: exist yeah be happy yeah
1: okay and and that's difficult for me that's difficult for me i'll admit it it is difficult i want my sons to be a a a mold of myself i want them to be go-getters all the rest of it but they haven't come from my background.
0: Yeah, exactly. Someone's once said that to me because we were talking about schools and was it private? Was it, you know, what sort of schools should you send your kids to? And I was very much, well, I went to the comp and it's that education I had and how I learned to deal with people that's kind of framed and shaped me. And, and they turned to me and said, yeah, but you came out of school with a hunger and a drive because of other circumstances, things that happened in your personal life. And you've got a drive and a hunger to succeed that your children... If you do your job right, won't ever have no, and therefore they can't be you. so don't ever think about them being you yeah. just make the right decisions for them in the circumstances in which they find themselves.
1: but it is tough I'm with you it is tough but um you know as I, as I said the other day to someone, I said, you know I'm learning to just love without expectation. Brilliant. love without expectation so
0: going to wrap up i'd usually wrap up here with the success question but you nailed that earlier on chris so i'm going to finish with what hard thing are you not doing enough of
1: if you'd asked me that three months ago i would have said switching off um but i've been very conscious to to work hard at switching off Um, And I think it helps that I have such a fantastic team at work um, that enables me to literally switch off. Yeah. You know, I switched off this morning. I, I had breakfast with the lads. I rung into the office and said, you know, I'm here if you need me. And they said, nope, we're all fine. And I said, okay, I'll go. Okay. And I put the phone down. I wasn't needed. So I'm learning more and more to switch off. Get balance get balance. That was the hard thing. I I felt guilty about not being in the office. Okay, I I don't anymore.
0: What a good way to end the podcast. So Chris, if people want to learn more about you or about any tech or more about ping pong social, where can they go?
1: They can go to LinkedIn. They can send me a direct message. Or guess what? They can just pick up the phone and say hello.
0: Perfect. Good. Thank you, Chris. You've been a wonderful guest on the evolve to succeed podcast and thank you for sharing such you know personal elements of your story thank you warren thank you for asking me chris's really is a true entrepreneurial story informed by his experiences in different roles and in different companies he learned about the values and the determination required to go out on his own he then combined this experience with a willingness to take risks but to have those risks informed by his increasing business knowledge and determination to succeed. I really admired and respected Chris's honesty when talking about the difficulties of his childhood and I was also so moved and inspired to hear how he's turned this aspect of his life into something positive and how it's driven his desire to help and be a mentor to others, including his own children. It's a wonderful story and even though, as I mentioned, I've known Chris for a number of years, at the end of our conversation, I felt I'd discovered new aspects to his character and his story. Thank you for listening and if you do want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. You can register there for our weekly insights and newsletter, as well as learn about the services that we offer at Evolve, including our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, courses, for teams, as well as our lovely co working space at Nashley Crossing Pool. And if you are a business leader in Dorset and Hampshire, then I'm really excited to be able to say that through the Dorset LEP and the Solent LEP, we have some fully funded peer network and peer group programs that we can offer to you. So if you want to learn more, again, go to the website or please call the team. I really do hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if so, please help us by rating, reviewing, and subscribing and listening to future episodes.